uh, Helen is going to read to us, and then I will be back with you in a moment. Thanks, Helen. The reading is taken from 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, and it's on the front page of the sheets. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Helen. Uh, that reading is on your sheet. It's under B uh, on the front there. I'm going to invite Ed. Um, I included a video last week in our, um, in our talk. If you were here, uh, you'd have seen it from Passion of the Christ. Uh, it had a snake in it. Somebody asked me to have given them forewarning of that. There is no snakes in this week's video, uh, so don't worry. There is, however, some sort of monkey, forgive me that I don't know the type, and a lion. Uh, let's quickly watch this video together. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter! It's in the past! <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it, or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! There we go. Uh, it's a little bit more light-hearted than Passionate of Christ. Um, there was a purpose for me showing you that video. It's not just because I really love The Lion King. Um, that clip is talking about how we about Simba needing to move on from his past. And this week and last week is all about how we move on from the things that are in our lives that stop us uh, from living the identity that Christ has for us and that we can move on uh, into the new identity that he has for us. We don't need to steal a stick from a monkey in order to do it, fortunately. Uh, we're talking particularly about strongholds uh, this evening. Uh, we're this isn't the first time that we've talked about strongholds in this church. It will certainly not be the last. Um, uh, and hopefully you'll have some understanding of what strongholds are already. Uh, but if you don't, hopefully by the end of this evening, you definitely will. Uh, in the physical realm, so what we can touch, what we can feel, uh, hear, smell, in the physical realms, strongholds are bases of operation. If you think of Lord of the Rings, uh, think of Helm's Deep. Uh, I've got a picture of it, I think, or an artist's rendition of Helm's Deep or whatever. Uh, it's the only thing there would be because it's fiction. But anyway, that's Helm's Deep. Uh, it's a base of operation. It's the point at which uh, they send out uh, things. It's the point, at, it's, the, it's the home, it's the headquarters, Beachy Head in the D-Day uh, landings is another example. It's fortified. And in and of themselves, strongholds are neither good nor bad. Uh, indeed, in the, in the psalm, Psalm 27, verse 1, uh, says this, hopefully. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Strongholds in themselves, not necessarily bad or good. It's about how, who's operating out of them. 
And the point of this evening's talk is to recognize the unhealthy strongholds in our life uh, and to replace them uh, with the healthy stronghold that is God. God is the stronghold of our life. Our reading from Corinthians tells us, uh, as Helen read a few minutes ago, uh, that we have the divine power to demolish strongholds to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and to take every cap- uh, captive, every thought, making it obedient to Christ. In our um, emotional, physical, spir- uh, emotional and spiritual and mental minds, a stronghold is an ingrained pattern of thinking uh, which becomes part of who we are and blocks um, part the uh, God as exhibiting God in our lives. They're different to sin habits that we talked about last week, uh, but they are connected with them. And I'll come to that in a moment. What I'm supposed to have in my hand is a book, which I haven't got, but never mind. It's called Soul Keeper by John Ortberg. Pretend it's in this hand. It's a very good book. Um, and I highly recommend it to you if you haven't read it. Uh, it talks into much of this living free material that we're exploring together over these few weeks. In the introduction, John talks about a town in the Alps on the banks of the most beautiful of rivers. The water is crystal clear and people go uh, and drink their coffee and eat their croissant by the side of uh, the, the river. Children play in it and people come from all over the world to see the beauty of this river. Now, the council employs somebody called the stream keeper. His job is to live high up in the mountains and to remove from the source of the stream any dead animals that might fall into it, any trees, any bracken, anything that might cause the river to become smelly or dirty. Now, this would never happen in this country, but the council had run out of money uh, and had to make some cuts of some sort. And so the cuts that they made were to get rid of this stream keeper. And for the first few weeks, nobody noticed anything going wrong at all. But slowly but surely, the water started to muddy and murk. It started to smell. Slowly, people stopped coming uh, to drink coffee by the side of it. Children stopped coming to play in the river. The health of the town was so severely affected by the health of the stream. For John, our soul is the stream. And strongholds are things that happen at the very source of that. It's the things that we need to remove. And they will co- and our identity will come out of these strongholds. Strongholds, bad strongholds, are Satan's strategy in order to get individuals and families, all of us, to buy into beliefs and values that are opposed to God. And Satan is never satisfied with just one stronghold. We'll all have a whole host of strongholds in our life. But we've just read that we have the power to demolish strongholds. The thing that demolishes the strongholds is God's truth. John says, uh, Jesus says that in John's gospel. I've read it there at the moment. They will know the truth and the truth will set them free. 
How do we form strongholds? There are a number of ways in which strongholds can form in our lives. Uh, How it's connected with sin patterns uh, is that footholds, we talked about those last week, if you remember, footholds being the Greek word being topos, do not let the devil take a foothold in your life, uh, is an ingrained, is a sin uh, thing that we do in our life. If we don't deal with that, if we don't repent of that, it will form into a stronghold. Similarly, if we don't forgive others for the things they do for us, it will grow into uh, a stronghold. Jonathan has an illustration which I've decided not to to particularly go into and show you this evening physically, Uh, but he would normally get two people, usually a married couple, uh, Jono and Heather did this for us a little while ago, um, and he'd get uh, one of them to stand with their arms by their side and the other to get a roll of cotton wool and to run around them a few times. Now, three or four rows of cotton wool, um, you can break easily by lifting your hands. 10 or 15 becomes a bit harder. When it gets to 30 or 40, you end up tied up a little bit like this man uh, with rope, tied up, unable to move without some help. So that's how sin, if we don't repent of it, grows in similar way uh, into these strongholds. Similarly, unforgiven things, people doing things against us and not forgiving them will grow into strongholds in our life. I talked last week about my, uh, the sin of control uh, that I deal with. If you remember my plaque from, uh, from Jess that said, I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right, um, and all of those other things. Um, it's absolutely true that I do have to deal with the sin of control in my life. Actually, uh, control has in my life both been a sin pattern that I have to deal with occasionally now, but for a long time, it was a stronghold in my life. It came into my life when I was about 10 years old uh, and my dad passed away. And within about three or four days of my dad passing away, some very lovely, kind adults, uh, and they were lovely and kind, but they just said the wrong thing, said, Adam, you're the man of the house now. You have to look after the family. And as a 10-year-old being told that, I changed my pattern of behavior. I believed that lie about myself, which eventually, a little bit like the cotton wool going around me, um, grew into the stronghold of control. I have moved from the place of the stronghold of control having any effect on me. I have demolished that stronghold through prayer over the last few years. It doesn't mean that I can't still be tempted occasionally to operate in sin of control. In fact, I'm perhaps more uh, um, uh, susceptible to it. But it is no longer my identity. It's no longer the identity that I walk in. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. There is a whole list of strongholds there. There could be many more added to it. uh, That Just to to give you some examples there at the bottom of page two. These foundational thoughts will gather in um, in us. They will form as strongholds through a huge range of different ways. Largely, they're summed up in things that we do and things that are done to us. Uh, And again, the lists that I've put there are not meant uh, to be exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, just the ones that I want to highlight uh, this evening. 
obviously, our own sinful actions can form into a stronghold. If I respond to somebody angrily once and don't repent of that, I may well be more likely to respond to somebody angrily again. I may then do that again and again and again until that sin pattern forms into a stronghold of anger that is within me. It may have another cause, uh, but it may well be that I cause that myself. False religions, bowing the knee uh, to someone other than Jesus, can give us an identity that is different to the one that God calls us to. Soul ties. Uh, I've got some verses. Can we put them on the screen? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 to 20. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Soul ties, when we have sexual intercourse with someone, we create uh, what we call soul ties. The word soul ties doesn't appear in scripture. We're calling them soul ties for the purpose of this, to help us understand this a little bit more. It's what Paul's talking about here in Corinthians, that the two become one flesh. But it's not just through sexual intercourse that we can cause soul ties with people. We can cause soul ties, inappropriate relationships uh, with uh, people just through having, um, putting too much credence or precedence on them and what they say to us. A simple rule of thumb is that if you place more pre- credence on what someone else says over what Jesus says, you have an unhealthy stronghold, an unhealthy soul tie with that person that needs to be broken. So those are things that we do, some of the things that we do, not all of the things we do. Things that were done to us. Um, of course, as I say, that controls um, uh, stronghold entered through somebody, very kind people, as I say, but some people saying things to me which were untrue that I chose to believe. Uh, people go through far worse things than losing uh, their father at a young age. People go through trauma and abuse And that can affect our identity uh, perhaps more than we can know. Our testimony earlier spoke about generational stuff, the stuff that we've had nothing to do with and yet brings in this stronghold into our life. Generational stuff is throughout Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, but Jesus mentions it a number of times as well. Um, I can give you a worksheet on each of these if it would be helpful, but uh, it is there. Curses as well. Uh, I told you in week one about um, my uh, going to see Stuart, uh, my mentor, and being ill uh, on the day I was supposed to see him. Uh, And then about, uh, I was moving that appointment to three weeks later, and then being perfectly well for three weeks, and then being ill again on the second time that I was supposed to see him. And he, because he's more in tune with all this than I am, uh, said, go away and pray about it. Maybe there's something coming against you. And indeed, I felt well enough through praying to get on the train and to get to him. What I didn't tell you then, which I, on purpose, because I wanted to tell you now, is that I sat at Stuart's kitchen table in Fulham, uh, and I was still feeling fairly unwell at this point, well enough to be there, but still not brilliant. And he said, let's pray and see whether the Lord will show us what's causing this illness that's at work in you at the moment. And so we prayed and uh, we closed our eyes, as you do when you pray, because that's the right and proper thing to do. And uh, Stuart opened his eyes and he said, it's odd, I've seen a picture of you in Birmingham wearing your dog collar and somebody walked past you and placed a curse on you. 
Now, I don't wear my dog collar very often, as you know, if you come to this church. I did have to go to Birmingham for an event where I did wear my dog collar. And as he described the scene, I can remember a woman walking past me. People look at you funnily when you wear dog collars anyway. But she was looking at me particularly funnily as she walked past and continued to look as she went down. That same woman had potentially placed a curse on me. And so I prayed forgiveness for her. I broke the power of that curse over my life. We um, share communion together, Stuart and I, as part of that. And instantly, not just momentarily, instantly felt better to the point where I no longer knew I was ill anymore. There was a curse at work. I did nothing about that, but yet still, to to bring it on, apart from wearing a dog collar, which, you know, uh, they're all right. (laughs) So there are all sorts of ways in which strongholds can form in our lives. It may be stuff that we do. It may be stuff that is done to us. The key is to recognize uh, a stronghold and to deal with it. We can do this again in a number of ways. And uh, how we deal with strongholds is we use the five R's that we talked about last week. This is what we do. Again, they're all biblical principles, but Jesus didn't say, to demolish strongholds, you should use Adam's five R's from St. Paul's Leamington Spa. He's still got that voice. I I think you need to improve his voice slightly, but never mind. (laughs) But they are helpful principles for us in demolishing strongholds, depending particularly on the size of them. Uh, And to recognize them, we can use uh, the Jahari window, which I talked about last week. It's there on the screen. I've actually uh, translated it in textual form for you uh, there. So uh, things that we see and things that other people see. Particularly with strongholds, uh, our testimony was slightly unique in that the person knew that that was going, that was on in something they needed to deal with. Often with strongholds, we will need prophetic insight to see what's be, what's coming against us. Not always. There's an awful lot of strongholds we'll need to deal with that we will know about and that other people will know about. But there will be some stuff that we may not be able uh, to see, particularly generational stuff going on. So we need to recognize, we need to repent, and um, this is twofold because we, well, threefold perhaps actually, uh, because we not only need to repent when we've done something wrong, but we need to also repent when we have believed lies that have been told over us. So back to the example of control, uh, when I was 10, I believed those lies and allowed them to build into the stronghold of control. I needed to repent of believing the lies uh, and come back into line of knowing the truth of what God says about me. It's also uh, necessary for us to forgive others as far as we do this, as far when we do this as well. Perhaps this comes under receiving God's forgiveness, maybe giving others forgiveness as well. Important. It was important for me to forgive those kind people that said those things to me. It was important probably for me to forgive my father for passing away uh, early, even though he couldn't help it. Uh, I still needed to forgive him for that, to be able to demolish that stronghold effectively. We need to receive God's forgiveness to know who we are and to rebuke the work of the evil one. We showed that video last week of Jesus trampling on snakes. We have the authority to rebuke the work of the evil one and the power that he has in our lives. When we do this, we break the topos, break the the, um, the foothold that we've allowed to play him to place in our lives. We have that authority and it's important that we do it. 
I spent less time on replacing last week on purpose because I wanted to spend a little longer on it uh, this evening. It's a key part of the five R's process. Uh, I don't know how many of you know Augustine of Hippo. Uh, if you were Catholic in the room, you might call him Saint Augustine of Hippo. Uh, he was a fourth century theologian and philosopher, uh, wrote a number of good uh, books and uh, very helpful things as a, a Christian leader. Um, before he became a follower of Christ, before he understood his, his, um, his uh, identity in Christ, he was not a very well-behaved man at all. He would frequently use prostitutes. Um, he would frequently uh, give, uh, misuse money uh, and, uh, yeah, not a well-behaved well person in the slightest. Uh, one day he was walking down, after he became a Christian, uh, he was walking down the high street and uh, one of the f prostitutes that he used to frequent himself of uh, in the previous years leant out the window and said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine carried on walking and said, yes, but it is not I. Yes, but it is not I. I love that story. It sums up for me what replacing means. It means walking in our new identity that we have in Christ. It's about choosing God's truth to reign in our life. And it's about us aligning ourselves to his word and what he says about us. Use the birthright cards if you need a place uh, to start with this. Or just use the rest of scripture if you need a place to start. And when we're doing all of these, um, these five R's, we need to recognize, back to the military analogy, the need for both air attack and ground assault. Air attack, by which I mean the spiritual praying, the rebuking, uh, the speaking God's truth into our lives, the forgiving, the receiving of God's forgiveness. And also, it's about walking in our new identity. Back to Augustine, walking and knowing it is not I. Now, depending on the strongholds and how full a grip that they have over you, um, it may be helpful for you to pray with others about this. The well, uh, as the testimony was saying earlier, um, the well have a teams of specialist people who will pray through strongholds with you uh, and uh, they'll help you with those, particularly if those, um, uh, those strongholds are things to do with Freemasonry because we find that that particularly is one that um, hold, has a greater hold on people. But all sorts of strongholds. If you would find it helpful to have someone to pray with you, the well offer those. We have team here at St. Paul's who also would be very happy uh, to pray through a stronghold prayer with you as well. You are able to do it on your own, uh, but it's uh, particularly helpful, particularly if you're doing it for the first time, to do it with others. It's not something that we will offer this evening at the end um, when we offer prayer ministry later because it takes a bit longer uh, and we need a little bit longer uh, than, than, the, than the few minutes that we get when we pray together at the end of a service. But if you would like that, um, if you'd like, you can either just contact the well directly. Uh, if you'd like someone from our church to pray with you, send me an email. You don't need to tell me anything about the stronghold, just say I'd like some stronghold prayer. We all have them, including me, I have many. Um, and we all need this prayer, so don't be worried or afraid to ask for it if that would be helpful. The core objective of this is to pray, regardless of whether we do it alone or do it with others, and to demand 
demolish the hold that strongholds have got on us, to remove the topos, the enemy's foothold uh, that we have, to reclaim the land. This point six on your notes is a Jonathanism, um, uh, as in uh, Jonathan the vicar, a uh, Jonathanism. It's one that I particularly like uh, because it can be quite confusing when we think about sin and we think about strongholds and go, hold on a minute, I'm a follower of Christ. Surely everything is redeemed by the cross. I don't need to worry about anything anymore. Why do I need to do anything about this? Jonathan has, thinks and has written that there are three tenses of salvation or three tenses of freedom. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin and we will be saved from the presence of sin. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. That is what Christ did for us, won for us on that cross. Romans 8, famous verses, there's plenty of other scripture. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin at work in our lives. Again, plenty of scriptures for this. I've reused Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. It's a continuous article by the renewing another one of your mind. These are things that are continuous. We are to continue to be daily transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can be saved from the power of sin in our lives. And we will be saved from the presence of sin, not just in our lives, but in the world around us as well. Those famous verses from Revelation, he will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. We will be saved from the presence of sin. The enemy's scheme, the enemy's plan is to turn uh, the small things that we do into big things, to turn the, the, the footholds that we give him into strongholds, giving him more access. And this is a war that's about truth. Back to those words that I started with of Jesus from John's gospel. They will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Now, those of you who are observant will note that we're on page four of 10, and I've been smoking for about 25 minutes. Um, and you're thinking to yourself, oh gosh, come on, Adam. Uh, it's not my intention to spend much time on the rest of what I've put here. Um, Rejection is a stronghold uh, that uh, many people, many people have, uh, have at work in their lives. Rejection enters our lives uh, through things as big as uh, parents not loving us as children, uh, through uh, uh, missed uh, marriages, uh, relationships breaking up, through to as small as being bullied, I say small, uh, being bullied as a child or simply being chosen last in games. I know that pain very well indeed. There's all sorts of ways in which rejection can enter into our lives. And I suspect at times many of us have felt uh, rejection. Uh, it's the one that as I was praying for, through this evening, this is the stronghold that I sense the Lord asked me to share with you. This is a stronghold worksheet. We have these for about 30 or so, I think, different types of strongholds. Um, and it's a massive booklet. I haven't yet worked out how I'm going to get these sheets to you. Because normally when we do Living Free, I know everybody that's coming. I have their email addresses and I email them all of the sheets so that they can print off the ones that they want. It's a 
huge booklet. I'm not going to waste the, the year's resources by printing them all for you. But I also don't want to put them on the website because actually it's helpful for you to understand the teaching before we send the sheets out. I will work that out or ask the Lord to, do, to show me how to do that. Um, but for now, and for every week from now on, for the next three weeks, I will go through a different stronghold and, and give you a different worksheet on the back of the sheets, hence why you've got this. And this rejection stronghold sheet here talks a little bit about what rejection looks like. And then over onto pages six, seven, and eight, there are what look like and indeed are checklists. Firstly, under the fruits of rejection. Uh, so this is some of the things which rejection can build into. Uh, and so it might be that we recognize some of these things in our lives or maybe in the lives of some of the people that we love. Uh, and then there's some checklists on how we recognize uh, rejection and how we recognize perceived rejection at work in our lives. And it's helpful uh, to just have a read down those. Uh, and I suspect as you do so, you may find yourself ticking one or two of the boxes. The sheet then goes on to go through, uh, the reminding you of the five R's um, and giving you a five R's prayer and talking particularly about how we replace this in our lives. I'm going to give you, I don't need you to particularly physically tick it, uh, but I am going to just give you couple of minutes uh, of quiet to read through pages six, seven, and a little bit of eight. And just make a note in your head of any that you go, mm, I think that is me. And then we're going to pray together as we close. I'll give you a couple of minutes of quiet. Maybe, Tom, we could play some music quietly as we do that. Thanks, Tom. Just a little way down that list. If you got through it and there's none, uh, that's great. Uh, and uh, there will be others and uh, that you can look at those in more detail. For those of us that did tick things and recognize rejection in our lives, I'm going to pray the prayer that's at the bottom of page 8 through. Um, I'm going to pray the words out loud. What I'd like you to do, if that is you, is to pray those words with me, but just in your, in your heads, in silence, um, as I'm going to pause and break through it as well. Um, but we're going to stand before we do that. So will you stand with me? So as I say, if uh, you've ticked things on these boxes, then pray these words in your head with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize and confess that I have accepted and tolerated feelings and thoughts of rejection and allowed them to shape my life. Maybe just bring before the Lord one of those that maybe spoke to you particularly. I repent and break my agreement with them and declare that I will not accept them as truth anymore. I receive forgiveness for my sin and thank you that their power is broken through the blood of Christ. Let's just have a moment to recognize that we are receiving God's forgiveness. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of rejection and all its energizing influences and lies. I crush you under my feet and send you under the authority of Christ.
I declare that I am loved, rooted and accepted as a child of God. And however any person treats me, I will not allow rejection to control or define me. Thank you for the joy of being loved and precious in your sight. Amen. Just some words from 1 John. Just, uh, they're on the back of your sheet, but um, I sense I wanted to share them. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete amongst us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Lord, we thank you that your perfect love drives out all fear. We thank you that you are love. That whoever lives in love lives in you and you in us. Lord, would you help us to know that we are your children, dearly and deeply loved. I'm going to pray again in a moment, but just before I do, just I want to share some pictures that we had before the service. Someone that wasn't here last week, so didn't see the video, um, saw a snake moving along the ground. Um, and the person was looking at it and being very concerned. And Jesus said, don't worry, I've already crushed him. And as they looked, the snake turned into this beautiful garden. That picture particularly has continually spoken to you over the week. That word or may well be for you this evening. There was also a picture of somebody's face uh, with a, a big moustache, not necessarily in the, in the natural, perhaps in the, in the spiritual stopping them from declaring God's love. Something coming in the way between them speaking God's truth and God's love into a situation. And the words, the truth that is, that our freedom is found in Christ. It is for freedom that we have been set free. One of those pictures particularly speak to you. You may want to ask one of the team to pray with you before you go or someone else this evening. Maybe as uh, the rest of the band come back, I'll just pray for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, that we are forgiven, that the power of sin is broken. We thank you that you have saved us from the penalty of sin that we will one day be saved from the presence of sin in the world. Help us to know your saving grace from the power of sin at work here and now. Help us to, like Augustine, when we are approached by sin, to take that thought captive for Christ, as it says in Romans, and to declare, it is not I because we know who it is that we are. We know that we are your deeply, dearly 
loved children. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes afresh. That you would help us to see the incomparable riches that are available to us. That we have been saved through faith. And that we are your handiwork. Help us to know the authority that we have in Christ to demolish strongholds. Help us to know the power of your name at work in our lives.